Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. All right, good morning again, everybody. Welcome to church. It is great to be together as the house of the Lord in every time, in every day, in every season. And we are in uh, the middle of a great month, a great series called Venom, Shaping the Overcoming Soul. And that's what we want to see, your soul strong. So we're talking about the power that's working in you a little bit today. Today's message is called Toxic Indecision. Toxic Indecision. Starting in Romans chapter 3 from the New Living Translation, it says in verse 10, As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. Talking about without God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. Here's the root. They have no fear of God at all. Have we lost the fear of the Lord? 1 Thessalonians 5 says this. Paul says, may God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Put you together. Spirit, soul, and body. And keep you fit for the master, excuse me, for the coming of our master Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. So we just sang about. If he said it, he'll do it. If he said it, he'll do it. Let's pray together one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart? Lord, we want to be those who reverence your presence, who desire you more than we desire anything else. But you have to do the work in us. Come open the eyes of our hearts today. Grant us revelation knowledge and change us in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we talked about framing the future. We talked about the power of words and having ears to hear. I heard a great quote. We're going to put it on the screen for you. Keith Moore said this, an unwilling heart makes a deaf ear. A willing heart makes a hearing ear. When Jesus said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. What's the difference between somebody who hears and somebody who doesn't? It's about the condition of your heart. If you're willing, if you're leaning in, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. It begins with opening your will. Nevertheless, not my will, Jesus said, but your will be done. We had this understanding last week about thoughts and what it does. And here's a meme that I found online that just means <clears throat> so much. Your thoughts always give way to words. Words give way to actions. Actions give way to habits. Habits give way to character and character gives way to destiny. It all begins with a thought. It all begins with a fleeting thought and you either cast it down if it's not of God or you entertain it and you invite it in. If you invite it in, <clears throat> pardon me, it begins to shape 
words and actions and habits and character and destiny. So we need to guard our hearts, guard our minds from the power of words. Anybody ever here ever tried chicken and waffles? So anyway, I, I love it. There's a restaurant in the villages and over in Daytona called Metro Diner. It's from the people that used to run uh, Outback Steakhouse. A lot of them morphed. Half of the crew went to PDQ and half of them went to another company called Metro Diner. And um, they got great chicken and waffles. I love waffles, but I hate waffling. Waffling is a different thing. It's flip-flopping. The Bible calls it being tossed about by every wind of doctrine. I'm old enough to remember the commercial that said, let go my ego. In fact, I tell my grandkids, there was um, the ego, ego uh, when they first came out in the 60s, they had a character, they had a car- cartoon character that was Wallace the Waffle Whiffer. Nobody in this room remembers Wallace the Waffle Whiffer. And it was like, the, he looked like the cuckoo bird from Cuckoo Cocoa Puffs guy. But they turned him into this guy that would bounce around to get kids addicted to waffles. And this is my problem. One of my least favorite phrases of the last year and a half, it's no secret, I've made it clear. Times of uncertainty or uncertain times. And while it's true, it's not true, true. We have a certain God and his word is sure. His word is true. His word cannot lie. It cannot be limited. The whole world seems to be divided right now. But we believe in the power of unity, especially in the body of Christ. Division equals weakness, doesn't it? Unity equals strength. Jesus said, where two shall agree on earth as touching anything they ask, it shall be done. Not maybe, not might be, not we hope it will. Where two believers come into agreement. The word agreement there is the Greek word symphonia, which means, which is symphony. We get the word symphony. Where two shall come into harmonic concert. Where two shall agree on what God said to be true, God will manifest it. Now, if that's not true, we need to rip our Bibles up and just rip, just rip that part out. But the fact is where we agree, where we come into harmony, we don't have to sing the same, it's not unison, it's unity. Unison is sing, singing the same line, the same note, the same everything at the same time. Harmony is everybody has their own part to play, but they're on the same sheet of music. When we come into symphony, when we come into harmony, when we're settled, when we're decided, when we're strong about it, we're talking about the power of agreement, but what about the power of alignment? So what I wanna talk about today, the agreement of God with God within yourself. Because this is one of the things that I believe we're seeing right now. And the Lord spoke to my heart this, find alignment for your assignment. Find alignment for your assignment. Apparently we have, there are moments when we don't even agree with ourselves. That's why Paul prayed and said to the Thessalonians, I'm praying that you 
that you'd be set apart, sanctified, set apart for God's purpose in your entire being, your spirit, your soul, and your body. I know this isn't new to most of you, but you need to be reminded once in a while. You are a spirit. You're an eternal spirit. Your spirit doesn't die. Your spirit, once you're born again, you will live forever. Your spirit is the real you. It looks like you. You'll be recognized when you're in heaven. We will know you. We will see you. It just won't be physical, but you'll still be you, okay? You have a body. Paul, uh, excuse me, Peter talked about it being uh, like, 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 a, like camping in a tent, that we have an earth suit, because otherwise your spirit would just float around. You would be subject to gravity. So we have this body that we put on for 80, 100 years, 120 years in Jesus' name, and we're believing. So that's our body. We've got to take care of it because it's our earth suit. We want to take care of it. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination. It's the inner parts, the inner workings that are still connected. And the problem is, there are moments where we're wavering, where your body wants one thing, your spirit wants what God wants, and your soul is caught up in the crossfire. Your soul drifts, wavers, no wavering. Paul said, be sanctified in your spirit and soul and body. Triune man, like God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are spirit, soul, and body. If you were physically out of alignment, I hope you'd go to a good, reliable chiropractor. Because what he would do is, he would assess, first of all. He would, he would start, he'd put you on a table. If you've never been a chiropractor, here's what you can look forward to. You go face down, usually first, and they start just feeling your, your, your spine, all up and down your spine to feel, and they can feel where it's out of alignment, where it's off. And they're just straight, oh, oh, oh that's, that's the T3. That's the, oh, yeah, that's that. That's, that's, uh. And they know all these places, and so they assess where's the misalignment? What's the root of the pain or the discomfort? You gotta deal with the root. That's why, I, I didn't used to believe in chiropractic, but we used to have a chiropractor in the church that kind of said, hey, this is not, this is not voodoo, this is not spooky, <clears throat> it's just the electronic system of the body. It's the structure, and, the, and then the nerves are the electronics, and, the, and, the, and, and all the capillaries and arteries and veins are the plumbing. It's just real practical. I was like, oh, okay, I can see that. And so you start getting the assessment. See, here's the problem. Root always determines fruit. And if you don't deal with the root of something, then you just forever, hey, listen, uh, I, I forget what I read in one of my devotions. You're looking out the window, you hate a certain tree in your yard, right? And so you, you hate that tree. Oh, that, that, I hate that tree. So you go out and you saw off a branch and the next day you look out your window and you go, that tree is still there. What the heck is that doing there? I just, I, I took off the branch. Yeah, but you didn't get to the root. 
You can't deal with the fruit of the thing and the thing you don't like till you get to the root of it. And that's what this assessment does. Then the chiropractor adjusts you. What he finds through the assessment, he starts going, okay, now I need to press this over here. And I need to, I, I like particularly when he, when he when, uh, they, they hate to be called crackers or cracking your neck. They hate that, okay? If you have a chiropractor, don't tell him I said it, okay? But you hear that popping sound and it's such a relief if you're having neck pain or shoulder pain and they, they go <laughs> with your neck and it's like, what was, it sounded like somebody just stepped on a bag of chips. What was that? Well, that was your neck. And what happens is you can adjust and you can, you, I mean, and a lot of times, like I, I felt like uh, recently I had like a rib head out. You can kind of, once you get to a chiropractor once in a while, you can kind of feel it if your body gets out of alignment. You can feel it. And so I felt like I, was, I had like a rib head out. It's like, oh man, that's, something's off. So frequently, if I, if I can't get to the chiropractor, I have a tennis ball that my chiropractor told me about, and I put it against the wall, lean back against a, a wall, and I, and I can kind of adjust myself a little bit, just kind of find that place, and where, where you feel it, you just start rolling that tennis ball around, and, and you basically can kind of at least adjust yourself to get out of the pain enough to get to the chiropractor. But you gotta get things back in order. An adjustment <clears throat> is getting things back in order. God created the body to heal itself or recover. That's why you have an immune system. Your immune system is the self-recovery system, okay? God made your body to do that. But the problem is there are blockages sometimes and you have to remove the blockages to the immune system. I'm not trying to give you health 101 lessons, but here's the point. Health isn't just the absence of symptoms. How I many you know you can feel good but still have something wrong? It's more about optimal function and energy. Strengthening immunity and living a life of balance, we gotta do our part, right? Diet, exercise, supplements, and water, 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 water. You gotta drink lots of water. That's a good place to get a drink of water. <clears throat> Spiritually, we need water too. The Bible says we're washed by the water of the word. We're washed by what God says. From what, from what he has said. And here's the deal. We often send mixed messages in our own lives. Paul wrote about the struggle of saying one thing and doing another. In Romans chapter seven, he keeps going, you know, I, I, I wanna do this and I wanna do right, but then I find that the thing I purpose to do, I don't do. <clears throat> Pardon me, let me read it to you from the, I don't think we have it on the screen, but that's okay. Let me read this. <clears throat> I got this from the Passion Translation. Listen to this. This sounds like all of us, doesn't it? Truly deeply, he says, within my true identity, I love to do what pleases God, but I discern another power operating in my humanity, waging a war against the moral principles of my conscience and bringing me into captivity as a prisoner to the law of sin, this unwelcome intruder in my humanity. What an agonizing situation I'm in. So who has the power to rescue this miserable man or human from the unwelcome intruder of sin and death? And then he pivots. I give all my thanks to God for his mighty power has finally provided a way out through our Lord Jesus, 
the anointed one. So if, I, if left to myself, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin, but now my renewed mind is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principles. So this battle going on, but through Jesus, through the power of his Holy Spirit, you can be aligned. You can find, you can get adjusted. You can get back on track. We all have these struggles. If Paul had them, then nobody is immune. We've got to get to the place where we understand, where we grab a hold of God in those times where we're wavering or where we're waffling. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 37, but let your yes be yes and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. I believe some of our toxic indecision is a tactic of the enemy. The Bible says, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices, right? Let me explain. In spiritual warfare, when I even teach on spiritual warfare, we do a whole section on Jezebel, the whole, that Jezebelian principality. It's a type of principality and power. She was an ancient queen in Israel who was evil and totally given over to the worship of Baal, a false demon god. And in the book of Revelation, the Bible, Jesus deals with Jezebel in the church a couple thousand years after she's lived. So it's not a woman, it's a spirit. Jezebel is the demon of usurped, illegitimate, illegal authority. She takes authority. The, the word Jezebel literally means without cohabitation. Doesn't play nicely with others. Wants to undermine God's authority and godly authority and orderly authority and bring about a disorder and an illegal authority. And it will do whatever it has to do. If you read the book of Revelation chapter two <clears throat> and see how Jesus called this thing out in the church, he said, I have somewhat against you because you tolerate Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. So it deals with the prophetic. It's a whole bunch of stuff that I don't have time to go into. But this spirit morphs and changes tactics over time and situation. Why is this important? Because I'm getting somewhere. Just bear with me. After watching the destruction of her prophets and priests of Baal, Jezebel, in one tactic, in one morph, in one part, went into full face-melting witchcraft against Elijah the prophet. Elijah stood on the mountain and challenged the prophets of Baal to see whose God is God, right? If whoever is God, wherever the fire falls, that God is God. He prays, the fire falls. He goes to the mountain, prays for revival. He hears the sound of an abundance of rain. The rain hits after three and a half years, revival hits. And when Jezebel heard about it, the Bible says, she sent a decree and a messenger to him to let him know, about this time tomorrow, you're gonna to be dead, or my name's not Jezebel. But it was Jezebel, and, she didn't, and, and he didn't die, by the way. And he goes into, <clears throat> this bold prophet runs for his life and prays to die under a tree. Goes into depression. God brings him on a journey for 40 days, and God reveals himself and the next phase of Elijah's destiny, and great things happen. 
What is witchcraft? Witchcraft this is a great thing we learned many, many years ago, but it still holds true. Witchcraft, we think of, we think of you know, Halloween, pointy hats and, and green-faced, you know, witches with warts on their nose stirring a cauldron. That's, that's not what witchcraft is. Witchcraft is mentioned in the Bible. And here's what a biblical definition is more like. Manipulation and intimidation for the purpose of domination. <clears throat> when, you are get, when you get under somebody's intimidation tactics and you yield to them, it's like yielding to witchcraft. That's why, that's why you go through such mind stuff. That's why you go through confusion and wavering and waffling because you get confused about it. So when Elijah gets the word of the Lord of his future, <clears throat> God says, I want you to raise up three people in your place. And they're gonna take down not only Jezebel and Ahab, but even their offspring. And Jehu is mentioned specifically. Jehu rises up after Elijah, Elijah prophesies, or a guy named Jehu rises up with this mission, crush, kill, destroy Jezebel and her offspring. He kills her son so she wouldn't have an heir on the throne. Then he goes after Jezebel. And something incredible happens because she changes tactics. She doesn't issue an intimidation threat. Look what the scripture says. <clears throat> 2 Kings 9 verse 30 from the message. When Jezebel heard that Jehu had arrived in Jezreel, she made herself up, put on eyeshadow, and arranged her hair, and posed seductively at the window. When Jehu came through the city gate, she called down, so how are things, Zimri, you dashing king killer? She, right in the same breath, she's saying, you killed my son. She's flirting with him. When the Bible says in the last days, people will fall from the faith because of seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, Jezebel changes tactics when she knows she has a short time. I mean, the Bible says when the devil knows he has a short time, he comes with great wrath. When you see all-out warfare, when you see all-out attacks, when you see war on every front, when you see stuff happening around you and you think, this is crazy, this is weird, the Bible says it's a tactic of darkness. What she did was use mind control and deception and tried to make evil look good. She put makeup. It wasn't about whether women wear makeup or not wear makeup. That's what the, the old Pentecostals used to think. We used to say, if the barn needs painting, paint the barn. It's putting lipstick on a pig. It's trying to dress up something to make it look like something else. And what I'm telling you is when you start to see this stuff happening all over the world and people of faith being seduced, pulled off into immorality, pulled off into confusion, pulled off in, in, in different directions and scattered and losing their strength. Could she confuse Jehu long enough to change his mind? When I went through 
Jezebel attacks in the early 90s, right after we started this church, we started experiencing crazy stuff. And it seemed like we would just defeat one thing and then would, something else would come right, right away. And I described it, it was like dealing with an octopus because there's always another arm trying to get you from a different direction. And the octopus, you know, has a, not just tentacles and arms to try to stop you, it has this thing where it can shoot ink out into a predator's face. That's exactly what Jezebel does. That ink is, it's like pepper spray. Pepper spray doesn't kill you, but it may make you feel like you wish you were dead for a few minutes. It can render you paralyzed. It can stop you in your tracks. And that is a tactic of the enemy right now. The great thing is that verse 32 of 2 Kings 9, Jehu looked up at the window and called, is there anybody up there on my side? Two or three palace eunuchs, which she created, he ordered, they looked out and he ordered, throw her down. They threw her out the window. Her blood spattered the wall and the horses and Jehu trampled under her, un, her under his horse's hooves. Her place of greed became her burial ground. And the Bible says, it goes on to say that she became eaten by dogs. When you're under battle, when you're under assignment, when you're going through something where your spirit, soul, and body are at odds, when you're out of agreement, out of alignment, we've got to get to the place where we quit second-guessing ourselves, quit being double-minded and second-guessing, quit being double-minded, to, to double-mind. You know, <clears throat> we second-guess God. Well, I wonder if God really meant that. I wonder if God really said that. Well, you know, he, it's not like, well, his grace, is, he's such a loving God. Nothing's gonna happen if we just do this and you take a step in the wrong direction. So we've got to get to the place where we recognize what's going on spiritually. James says a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. The word doubt, if you notice, is not spelled D-O-U-T. There's a B in there. D-O-U-B-T, doubt. Why? Because it's from the word double. Double to be double-minded, to waver, to go back and forth, to go, well, I thought this, but now I feel this. Well, I think this, but now I go into that. Well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. One of the worst contaminants of our time is the fear of man. Started addressing a little bit last week. People-pleasing is a root of indecision. It's the downside of social media. The Bible says the fear of man brings a snare Proverbs 29, 25 from the message says this, the fear of human opinion disables. You say that again. The fear of human opinion disables. Trusting in God protects you from that. Are you awake? Are you okay? First service, y'all been quiet the last three Sundays in a row. I'm about to make you exercise, jump up and down and scream because you need to respond. I know you're digesting this. I know this is heavy for some of you. Some of you newer believers, it might be going right over your head, but I've got to preach the word of the Lord. I can't, 
I can't come. We're going to help you up. I'm not going to come down to you. We, I got to help you up. You have to see. You have to see it. How you see unless it's preached. The moment we become more afraid of what people think than what God thinks of us, we've crossed a dangerous line. Wisdom and faith work together. Paul said in Galatians 1.10, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. One translation says, if I, if I, if I make it my aim to be a people pleaser, I disqualify myself from being a servant of God. You can't serve two masters. If you're making all the people around you happy, what are you making God feel like? That's great to, that's great to have peace in your land. It's great to have peace in your home. <clears throat> but if you're, if you're in a place where everything's good, everything just seems easy peasy, lemon squeezy, and you're just kind of getting through and you're getting by, you better lean into God and see what he thinks. Because that kind of thing, listen, it's the peace that passes understanding that's the peace of God. Not quiet, but the peace that's inside that guards your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. The answer for indecision is simply decisive action. If you believe God, and trust in his word. You have to stand on that. We sang that song a little ago. I don't know that song, I mean, but I enjoyed it. But the words are powerful, aren't they? Start to sing that song. You start to think, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I've already seen too much. God is too good for me not to give him glory. He's, been, he's already proven. Listen, if he never did one more thing for me than save my soul like he did when I was 19 years old in a situation where I was lost and knew religion but didn't have a relationship with Christ. I didn't know Jesus. I knew church. I knew denomination. I knew liturgy. I knew robes and hymnals and stuff, but I didn't know Jesus. If he never did anything but save me out of that when I was 19, I would still be shouting his praise because of where I was and where I am. On the inside, I can't question. If you believe in God and trust in his word, you have to stand on that. Quit waffling. You can, you can love waffles like I do, but quit waffling. You have to decide. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Settle down to the simplicity of the will of God. Quit second guessing yourself. And I say that, <clears throat> just quit second guessing yourself. When you get something on the inside, you pray about it. And you, when you have peace, step out fully committed to that decision in God. And, if it, and, and in that, if God needs to adjust some things, he'll adjust you as you're moving forward. The problem is we get paralyzed. We get where we're standing still 
And we go, well, I don't know if it's the will, if the will of God. That, that was it. That is it. Is it that? Is it that? Is it that? And, we, and we're just doing this, you know, like robotic dance. And where are we getting? Nowhere. If you genuinely don't know the will of God in a certain situation, ask him what his will is. And then wait until he clearly responds. Because the burden of proof is always on God to confirm any change, any adjustment. It's it's on God to tell you, not you to figure it out here cerebrally. God is not understood in the mind. He's understood in the heart, in in the spirit man, your inner man, the real you. And he wants to connect with you there. As Elijah said to the people of Israel who were paralyzed under the spill of Jezebel, How long will you falter or waver between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, then serve him with all you got. Used to sing a song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your holy word today. Lord, in this uncertain world, in these crazy times, Holy Spirit, your people need you. We need your leadership, we need your guidance, we need your strength day to day, every day we need you to show us the way, tell us how to live, how to move forward. Lead us, oh God, in your path, in your truth. Father, I pray for every person who's watching from home or the hospital, every person going through a health battle right now, whether you're in the room or whether you're watching right now, we just release the power of the Holy Spirit right to your room, right where you are right now. He is, Jesus is your healer. He loves you. One touch from the master, one word from his mouth, and your life changes. That disease goes, COVID goes, it's cast out, pneumonia goes. All that residue, fever, all that junk, Jesus is your healer and he loves you. And we're praying for every one of you that's going through quarantines, going through questions. But the issue on the table is this, how long will you falter, waver, go back and forth, second guess God and yourself. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is your Lord, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, then for goodness sake, act like it. Rise up and make a commitment. Quit babying yourself and wavering and pampering your flesh. He's good. 
and his mercy endures forever. But if you're not getting the most out of life or your relationship with God, it's because you're scared and you're sitting back trying to figure it all out and that's not how faith works. Hear the word of the Lord. Settle it. Somebody in here, you're, you're at the precipice of a decision, a big decision, like a life decision. And you've been considering what you feel, what you feel from God or what you think would be the best decision based on what your comfort is. And I'm telling you, I don't know who this is, I'm telling you, make the leap, follow God, follow Him fully, give Him everything, commit your life, decide, decide, decide. And once you decide, don't question it. Don't back off. Just get on the trail and go after the Lord with everything you've got because his hand is on your life. Opportunity is on your life. I know we got a lot of children and young people in here and some of them are drawing while I'm talking. That's fine. My grandkids do that sometimes too. But even the children, I want you to hear me. God loves you and his plan and his purpose are for you right now. I know the world is crazy. It must be, it must seem really weird, all the stuff going on in schools and everything else. Masks, all this talk. I want you to know God loves you. He is with you. He is for you. Trust him. Trust in him with all your heart. And do, don't lean on your own understanding, the Bible says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In other words, put him first. God, you're first. I need your help. I don't know what to do. And he'll direct your path. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Lord of your life. This is the moment to just say, Jesus, come in. When I met the Lord, I didn't meet him at church. I met him on my knees in my home at 19 because I finally ran out of all the answers I thought I had. At 19, I thought I knew everything and I didn't know anything. And at 19 years old, I finally said, okay, if you're real, show me. I wanna know you, not just about you in my head. I wanna know you like experience you. And from that moment, my life began to change and it's still changing and growing today, many years later. I call you to a place of decision today. I call you to settle some things in your heart and to quit looking backwards, wondering if you missed something. Forget the former things. Behold, God will do a new thing. You'll recognize it, it'll spring up. You just have to decide right now you pray this with me, whether you're in the room or you're watching online, just everybody, just say this out loud. Just say, Jesus, I have decided to follow you. I surrender my heart. I surrender my will. I give you everything. Be the Lord of my life.
and lead me in every step. Help me to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you meant that prayer right now, there is a shift, there's a blessing, there's an anointing, there's a presence of God that will meet you there. Don't look back. Keep going. Amen? Did you get something today? Come on and put your hands together for Jesus and honor Him. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.